Amen. Thanks, Pastor Ben Kai. We're going to miss this guy, aren't we? Whew. Well, next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating uh, just the ministry uh, that Pastor Ben Kai has had here and, and uh, just as he transitions with his move. So you're not going to want to miss uh, a special service next Sunday. So, um, But today, we are in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. So open your Bibles there to Hebrews chapter 4. And I've talked about this recently, but I want to remind you that when Hebrews was first written, uh, it didn't contain chapter and verse numbers. So, you know, it wasn't like, hey, turn your Bible to chapter four. And in the early church, you know, what didn't happen was people would read a letter or section of the letter and then come back the next week and then read another section and then come back the next week. You know, when you get a piece of mail, you don't pick it up and put it down, pick it up and put it down every week, do you? That's kind of, you know, what the idea of a letter of the New Testament was, is you read the letter. And so from start to finish, there is a theme that is running through this entire book. And what we're doing here on Sunday mornings is we're looking at uh, digestible sections of the Scripture, and we're digging deep into the truth that is found within them. But there's something to be said about reading the letters of the New Testament from beginning to end and seeing them as a whole. You kind of see the symphony rather than just a snippet of the song. And so what we might be doing when we end the book of Hebrews is we might take a Sunday to just read through the whole Bible, or not the whole Bible, sorry, uh, just the whole, you'll be here a long time. Um, We'll take a Sunday just to read through the book of Hebrews, which would take us about 45 minutes to read straight through, not making any comments on it, just listening to God's word. But today, we're going to spend about the next 40 minutes just looking at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. And what we're going to see today is something that we began talking about last week, which is entering the rest of God. So would you read with me Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should have seemed to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest as he said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest 
so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So you might be reading that or hearing that and be like, what? (laughs) Well, today we're going to look at what this scripture means to us. So let's pray. God, we ask that as your word would go out today, and as we're going to see in the next passage of scripture of Hebrews, that your word is like a two-edged sword, and that it pierces our hearts, Lord. And we ask, God, that as your word goes out today, Lord, that we would receive it by faith, Lord, that it would mix with faith, and Lord, that there would be a, a change that occurs in our spirits because of what we hear today, Lord. Let us enter this rest, the rest that is found by believing in Jesus Christ as our God and Savior. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So verse 1 says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. The word, therefore, is being used again in this book because, as I've said already, the book of Hebrews is a well-crafted argument for the superiority of Jesus Christ. What that means is that a case is being built to prove that Jesus is better than everything and that we should look to Jesus to receive all of the promises of God. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's Jesus. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to to God for His glory. So what this is saying to us is that Jesus, the Son of God, is the very fulfillment of all of God's promises to mankind. And and there's a promise that is being spoken of here. It was spoken of last week in chapter 3, and it's being spoken of again here in chapter 4, that there's this promise of entering God's rest. And the writer began telling us about this rest in the middle of chapter 3, where we saw last week how the wilderness generation, that generation that Moses led out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and, and into that wilderness, just right up to the edge of the promised land, the land of Canaan. But we saw how they did not enter that promised land. They didn't enter the rest of God, and it was because of their disobedience. But it was ultimately because of their unbelief. They didn't believe what God was saying he was going to do. And so they hardened their hearts to the Lord. And so God swore, and you know, if God's going to swear something, he's going to do it. And God swore that those people, that first generation that came out of Egypt, would not enter the rest that God promised. They wouldn't enter the land that was promised to Abraham. But look, this is speaking to us about a much deeper truth. Because there still remains a promised of rest for the people of God, a promise that is much bigger than the promise of a land. And and while there is a land associated with the promises of God to the people of Israel, and we're going to be going to that land in April of this next year, the land of Israel, but if, if the land itself was the fulfillment of this promised rest, then why would we be seeing that land under so much unrest in its history? 
You see, the land itself is not the promise. Uh, What the promise of rest that God is giving to his people is found in the Messiah. It's found in Jesus Christ. And when a person puts their faith in God and comes into a relationship with Jesus, this is the rest that God was speaking of. And so this rest promised here is simply salvation. And what we know about salvation is that it only comes through Jesus Christ. And when we receive the promise of rest, it happens when we come to Jesus by faith and we begin a relationship with him. And I just want to let you know that salvation has a fulfillment in the past, in the present, and in the future of an individual. When Jesus saves you, he saves you from your past, he is saving you in your present, and he will save you in your future. See, we have rest because we have been justified in Jesus Christ. We have rest because we are being sanctified in Jesus Christ. And we will have rest because we will be glorified in Jesus Christ. So to be justified, sanctified, and glorified, those are just fancy theological words to say that when God saves you, he saves you completely in your past, your present, and your future. And so this rest that we have in God, it is a peace that you have with God, and it is the peace of God. It is the very rest that God himself enjoys. You know, how do you think about God? Do you think of God as some sort of restless, anxious, um, you know, out-of-control being? That's not God. That's not a right view of God. But we know that in many times in our lives, we're restless, we're anxious, life seems out of control, and yet when we come to Jesus, there is this satisfying rest that surpasses whatever it is that you're going through in your life. And we know that there were some, there were some Hebrews in that first generation after the death and resurrection of Jesus that seemed to have failed to come short of this rest. And it's because they hadn't believed in Jesus. You know, in the same way that that first generation that came out of Egypt didn't believe what God was offering to them when he said, I'm going to give you rest. That first generation that came after the death and resurrection of Jesus didn't believe when God said, in Jesus, you will find rest. And that is why it says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. There's a, there's a lot of examples, right, in, in history. Just looking at the Bible, examples in the Old Testament. One we heard last week of that wilderness generation that came up short of the rest. But there's examples also in the New Testament. One that I'm going to give to you today of people who failed to receive salvation because they hardened their hearts by not believing what God said he was going to do. And what happens is people will reject or neglect or put off the promise of salvation that God freely offers. And in Acts chapter 23 and 24, 
we see that the Apostle Paul was taken to the city of Caesarea because some Jews were bringing charges against him because of his work as a missionary. And Paul appeared before the governor of Caesarea, a man by the name of Felix. And Felix, it says, he had a rather accurate knowledge of the way. He knew quite a bit about Christianity. He was well acquainted with who Jesus was. He, he knew what the followers of Jesus were all about. And not only that, but we find out that his wife was Jewish. And so when Paul appeared before Felix, what did Paul do? Well, Paul did what he always did. <laughs> he preached the gospel. And so you have to sort of picture this in your mind. You've got Felix, the governor of Caesarea, and his wife, Drusia, who's Jewish, and they're sitting there, and Paul is standing before them, and he's going to preach the gospel to them. And so do you have that picture in your mind right now? Well, in Acts chapter 24, verse uh, 24 to 25, it says, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusia, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. So, so you see it? That visual in your mind? Felix and Drusia listening to Paul speaking about faith in Jesus Christ. In verse 25, as Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave, and when I find it more convenient, I will send for you. Yikes. Do you see what's happening there? Felix heard the gospel. Drusia heard the gospel, even moved them to fear. However, instead of turning to Jesus for salvation on that day, Felix instead said, that's enough for now, Paul. I've heard enough. And when I find a more convenient time to hear about Jesus and to make a decision about Jesus, then I'll send for you. The sad thing is that we have no historical record of Felix or his wife, Drusia, ever coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because they waited for a more convenient time. And that's a dangerous thing because salvation's for today. And by putting off for a more convenient time what can and should be done today is something that you don't want to do when it comes to putting faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is promised today for those who believe because you know what? Tomorrow's not promised. Who's to say that waiting to believe at a better time that you even have that time? You have today. So while it's called today, believe. Again, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. When it comes to believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't want to reject it. That's for sure. But you also don't want to neglect it. You don't want to come up short of it. You don't want to put it off for a more convenient time because today's the day of salvation. And so, so if you've almost come to faith in Jesus, 
Maybe you were here last week and you heard me preach the gospel last week because I, I pretty much preach the gospel every week. And last week you heard, today is the day of salvation, but you said, mm, not today. Well, today is the day because I'm telling you right now, don't, don't wait another Sunday for what can be yours in Jesus Christ today. Besides, what's there to wait for? This is so great, a salvation. But a lot of people wait because when they think about the salvation that Jesus is offering to them, as Benkai said, they think that it's going to hinder their life. You know, they think of Jesus as though he's some cosmic killjoy. That when you come to Jesus, oh, your life's done. It's just not going to be fun anymore. And, you know, you got to give your life over, give control to the big guy in the sky, and then he's just going to kind of, just going to be like, eh, you know. If that's your sense of what it means to be a Christian, I'm telling you, it's not it. This is so great of a salvation, but I fear that some may have failed to reach salvation because they're thinking, you know, now's not a good time for me to believe in Jesus. Now's not a good time for me to get serious about my faith in God. You know, maybe when I'm retired, I'll take my faith in God seriously. Or, or young people might say, you know, after I've, you know, had my college experience, or maybe once I start a family, then I'll, you know, get serious about faith in God. Nowhere in Scripture do you see that that is a way of following Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your heart in unbelief. So verse 2 says, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. You see, there's something really tragic that can happen to people. There are some who can hear the good news of Jesus Christ because this message is always going out, and it's even going out right now as you're listening to me. And when it goes out, there's a responsibility on the person who hears this message to believe the message with faith. So what's happening right now as we're gathered in this building is I'm speaking and you're hearing, but is that all that's happening? Is this just me speaking and you hearing? Or is this that I'm speaking God's word and that you're hearing it and you're believing it with faith? Because this is so much more than a sermon appreciation society. <laughs> This is a living, active body of believers where God's word is going forth and we receive it by faith and we go and we live it by faith. You see, what can sometimes happen though is that the message of the gospel goes out and people hear the message and they don't disagree with the message. They might even say, that's a good message. They may even agree with all the facts about the message. And here are some facts about the message of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Jesus is God, and he created human beings. Human beings sinned against God, and this is a problem. Jesus became a human being to help us with our problem of sin. And Jesus could help us with our problem of sin because Jesus was a perfect, sinless man, and so he was able to help imperfect, sinful people. And the way that he did this is that he died on a cross for sin. 
He was then buried into a tomb, and then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus went to heaven, and then he started an organization called The Church, where you can learn about Jesus on Sunday mornings, usually around the time of 9 and 11. (laughs) I'm glad I got a laugh, because you realize that that last point is not quite a gospel fact, (laughs) because... Having faith in Jesus is so much more about coming to a building at 9 or 11. And you may agree with all these facts about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, look, you're sitting in a church right now listening to me preach a message. But can I tell you that there's something available to you that is so much more than intellectual agreement? Yes, those are the gospel facts, but a life with Jesus and enjoying the rest that he promised, that's not about checking facts off of a list. You can hear the message. You you can even agree with the facts of the message. You can even say, that's a good message. But notice, if the message does not mix with faith, it does not benefit you. So am I making a distinction here where there is no distinction? No. What I'm speaking to and what the writer of Hebrews is speaking to is that there are some who are on the edge of entering God's rest. And perhaps you have failed to reach this rest because you have merely heard the message of the gospel, but you have not believed the message of the gospel by faith. Perhaps you agree with the message of Jesus, but, but you're not actively believing it and living it in a way that is in relationship with Jesus Christ. Now you may be thinking, well, then what is the difference between agreement and faith? Well, James says that the demons believe that God is real and that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of mankind. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe, and they shudder. In Acts chapter 24, verse 22, it says, But Felix, the guy I was telling you about that put off for a more convenient time to believe, said, Having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes, I will decide your case. It's, it's one thing to hear the message or even agree with the facts of the message. It's an entirely different thing to believe the gospel by faith and to put your faith, trust, and hope in Jesus Christ as your only God and Savior. Demons are wonderful theologians, but they're not saved and they have no rest in God. Felix was a powerful, educated governor, but he was not saved, and he had no rest in God. And you may be semi-acquainted with the Bible, have a lot of power and influence in this world, you're an educated thinker, but if you don't have a living faith in Jesus Christ where, where you love Jesus and you trust Him and you've surrendered all to Him, then you ought to fear lest you seem to have failed to reach the promise of rest in Jesus. Because if the message you are hearing is not mixing 
That word united is the word mixing. If it's not mixing in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, if faith is in you mixing with the word as you're listening, then this message is not going to benefit you. See, this message can only benefit you if it's mixing with faith as you hear it. So may it never be said of us what Jesus said of the religious leaders in his day. In John chapter 5, verse 39 to 42, Jesus said, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Are you hearing those words? And as you're hearing this message, are you simultaneously talking with God? Are you saying to God, is is this me? Is this where I'm at? Because every time you listen to the word of God spoken, you you should be doing that. You should be saying, you should be examining yourself and say, right now, God, how do you want to use this truth for me? How do you want this to benefit me? How do you want to grow me? How do you want to see your love increase in me? And you should know that the only way a sermon can benefit you is if you're hearing it with faith. But you should have security knowing that if you're talking with God right now as you're hearing this, if you're saying, is this me? Is this where I'm at? How can I grow in the love of God? If that's the posture of your heart and your mind, then I think it's safe to say you have faith. You have faith because you're making sure that you genuinely believe in Jesus. The person who's been united to Jesus by faith will hear a message like this and they'll say, is it I, Lord? Is this me you're talking about? You know, faith rarely says, this message isn't speaking to me. Verse 3 says, for we who have believed enter that rest, as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Can, Can you say those words? For we who have believed Enter that rest. Do you know that you know that you know Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust him with faith? Because to have believed upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you enter the promise of his rest. Or are you like that wilderness generation who came up short because of unbelief? That is who the writer is referring to when he quotes Psalm 95, saying, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Or are you like Felix or Drusia, who waited for a more convenient time to hear? Or are you like the Pharisees and the demons who had Bible knowledge, but they did not mix the message with faith, and therefore they had not truly believed? See, unless you believe with living faith today, there's a rest that you may still need to enter. So look at verses 3 through 5 with me. For we who have believed enter that rest. 
As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. So as you can probably tell so far, this message is somewhat direct and sobering, but it's God's Word. And God's Word is only going to make a change in you if you're hearing it with faith. And there are some who, even after reading those verses that I read, might dismiss this message altogether because, I mean, look, the verses that I just read says that God created the world and rested on the seventh day. So you mean to tell me that God made the world in seven days? I mean, come on. That can't be so. Well, perhaps a day is not a literal day. You know, perhaps a day is a million years. Okay, fine, right? But listen, I I don't care if you're an old earth creationist, or, or a new earth creationist, you may even, even be able to cite the Bible better than the writer of Hebrews. I mean, notice he said, somewhere it says, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And, and again, in this one passage, they shall not enter my rest. You, you can have all the Bible knowledge, you can have all the prestige and degrees, you can have all the good works that you've accomplished, and you're just a real special somebody. But have you experienced in a profound and deep and spiritual way the rest of God that comes by knowing Jesus and being known by Jesus? This has to be known and experienced by you. You you need to have believed yourself that Jesus is everything. And and you know what I'm talking about. Because to be honest, it's actually somewhat difficult to explain faith. It's actually really hard to explain faith because faith has to be experienced. Uh, Listen, I eagerly desire every single week that you would know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about faith. Can you tell? (laughs) But what I'm talking about is you having your own intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. And you may know a lot about the Bible, or you may know very little about the Bible. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an intimate, personal rest in Jesus. You may be a good person who who does some really good things, or you might be pretty rough around the edges. That's not what I'm talking about either. I'm talking about an intimate, personal rest in Jesus, a rest that comes by faith. Because here's the thing, theology can't save you. Good works can't save you. Going to church can't save you. Being in a saved family can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. You must come to your own intimate and personal faith in Jesus, having received the promise of his grace through faith to know the rest that is being spoken of today. And the writer of Hebrews is going to say to the original recipients of his letter, 
you know, these things that he's saying, he's, he's kind of getting to the point that, you know, just because you're Jewish and you live in Israel and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are your ancestral fathers, you love King David, you've memorized the Torah, you're a dutiful citizen, you know that God created in six days and rested on the seventh, but you can still miss out on this rest if you don't experience faith in Jesus. Because the rest of God only comes to those who have ceased to try to bring their good works and their accumulated knowledge to God as if that pleases Him. And they've come humbly to God knowing that nothing can save them but Jesus Christ and His sacrificial work on the cross. See, Jesus came and died on a cross and rose from the dead so that we would cease trying to prove ourselves to God and that we would simply come to God in faith because only faith pleases God. Faith in Jesus Christ alone can give you this rest. And the writer is saying to the Hebrews, you can't rest on your Judaism. There's more than the prophets and the angels and Moses and Joshua, the Torah, the temple, the animal sacrifices, the ritual cleansings. Those had their place for a time, but none of these things can bring you into the rest of God. There remains a rest available to you, and it's only available by faith in the Messiah. Because it's not found in what you do. It's found in what he did. Jesus died and rose again to give us the rest that we need. Salvation is available by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 6 and 7, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So the writer's coming back here again to Psalm 95, that call of worship to Israel to remember the past and not to make the mistakes of the past. And, 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 and I'm going to go back to what I said last week, if you were here with us, that, that there's a rest available in Jesus Christ and it's available today. And when David wrote that originally, when he said today, it was today. It was that day that he wrote it. And every time it was recited in the temple as a call to worship, today was today, that day that they were gathered. Last week when I said today, it was last Sunday. But, but, but the problem is, is that if you're not responding in the today moment to the salvation that God gives you, you're regretting the past, you're fearing the future, you're not looking in the present at fixing your eyes on Jesus, there still remains something for you to see. And salvation can come to you today if you believe in who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And this salvation will be for your past, your present, and your future. It is a promise that comes to you when you come to faith in Jesus, and when it comes, you will know it you'll know it. So today, perhaps, there remains for some the need to enter this rest. You've heard the good news, but your heart has been hard from disobedience. 
you haven't believed for whatever reason, and, and salvation is being rejected or neglected or put off, but it doesn't have to be that way any longer because the word of God has come to you today and maybe you've never felt it before, but you're sensing it today in a way that is unexplainable. Wow, I believe this stuff. I'm hearing this and I'm believing this. But if you're still on the outside edge of faith, I'm going to reason with you like Paul reasoned with Felix. Because I, I say the outside edge of faith because you can be on the edge of faith. You can either be on the outside edge of faith and you can even be on the inside edge of faith. You, but here's the thing, you don't want to be on the edge of faith. See, to be on the inside of the edge of faith, you're saved, but it's like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you're, you're saved as through fire. It's like fire insurance Christianity. You don't want to live there. It's too precarious. And, and yet there's those that live on the outside edge of faith. So maybe your faith is weak, you're on the inside edge. I'm just going to tell you today, your faith needs to be strengthened. You don't ever want to be on the edge of faith. You want to be in faith. <laughs> but if you're on that outside edge of faith, I'm going to reason with you in the same way that Paul reasoned with Felix, saying that Jesus spoke to us about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Righteousness can only come to you through faith in Jesus Christ. It needs to be credited to your account based on what he has done, not on what you have done. You cannot earn your own salvation. Jesus accomplished it for you at the cross, and he said, it is finished, paid in full, it's yours, receive it. Righteousness comes to you by grace through faith. And then apart from faith in Jesus, you can't control yourself. You're not good at leading your own life. You'll just keep falling short of satisfactory, and you know it. Instead, you need to die to self and come to Jesus so that the Spirit of God can take control of your life. And you may think that you're getting along just fine on your own right now, but just wait, you'll see. Because Paul told Felix that there's a judgment that is coming for those who reject, neglect, come up short, push off the salvation of God. Because those who refuse to let Jesus have control as Lord and Savior of their life, if you refuse Jesus in this way, there's a judgment that's coming. And Jesus spoke about this judgment more than any other person in the Bible. The judgment is eternal wrath called hell. And Felix was afraid when he heard Paul say that. But guess what? He still put it off. The promise of heaven and hell can be presented before you, and guess what? You can still put it off. Don't put off this message. Rather, put faith in this message. Put faith in Jesus. And in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verses 8 and 9 speak to us very plainly now as we come to a close. For if Joshua had given them rest... God would not have spoken of a later, uh, another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So almost 2,000 years now, after this letter was first written, we want to know how it relates to you and I today. Mostly Gentiles living in California in 2023, what is this letter to some Jewish people living in the first century? How does this relate to us? Because you're probably not trusting in the prophets and angels and Moses and Joshua and the Torah and the temple and animal sacrifices and ritual cleansings. Like you're not going back to those things as a means of salvation, right? Probably not. None of these things you do to try to bring yourself as a way of approval before God. But what are you doing as a way to try to get God's approval? Because there may be some here who still think that, there's some here that might think that, you know, yeah, God loves me, but you know, the way you really see God is like, he's really annoyed with you. He loves you, but he doesn't really like you. (laughs) If only you'd be a better Christian, maybe God would be happy with you and you could enjoy this rest. You know, if only you knew more Bible, then God would be pleased with you. If only you didn't miss so many Sundays, then God would be pleased with you. If only you really got into the worship and, you know, lifted your hands from time to time, then God would be pleased with you. Oh man, if you could lead one person to Jesus Christ, if you could pray a little bit more eloquently, if you could be a good, law-abiding, tax-paying, hard-working, family-raising citizen, then God would be pleased with you. Listen to me, none of those things are bad things. These are good things, wonderful things. But read verse 10 and realize none of those things bring you into the rest of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And the Hebrews may have objected and said, well, I rest from my work, I keep the Sabbath. (laughs) Or the Hebrews may have said, you know, I have rest. Look, I'm, I'm in this land that God gave us through Joshua. All my life I've honored the prophets, asked for the help of angels, regarded Moses as God's messenger, honored Joshua for his bravery, memorized and recited the Torah, gone to temple, observed all the animal sacrifices, practiced every ritual cleansing. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you know, that's nice, but have you put your faith in Jesus as the Messiah? For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. That's a good play on words. Because we know Joshua in Greek is Jesus. The true Joshua is the only one who can give us that rest. Forever has entered God's rest, has also rested from his work, works as God did from his. And that's not talking about working on Saturdays. It's not talking about going to church on Sundays. It isn't about creation or Sabbath or Moses or David or Joshua. Guys, this is about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And are you known by Jesus? Do you have an intimate and personal relationship with him where you've entered into his rest?
Is Jesus everything to you? All that you need and more. Can we all stand up together? I want to ask you a question today as we end. Have you accepted grace gracefully? Have you accepted grace gracefully? Because we can believe grace, we can believe faith, we can understand these things conceptually in our minds, but have you really received it? Or are you still seeking God's approval by your obedience? You can enter this promised rest today, right now, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to share the words of Jesus with you, which are his invitation for you to come to him. And this can happen for you right now. If you hear these words with faith and you come to Jesus, Jesus said today, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Jesus, we hear your invitation for us to come. And we who have believed have entered into your rest. But God, we're here today as your people, knowing that there may be people here among us who have failed to reach that rest. And God, if you've spoken to that person today who seems to have come up short of it, today would you beckon them to come? And Lord, would they come to you by faith and that they receive from you, Jesus, what you are freely offering to them today? You are offering them eternal salvation. And so, it's a wonderful thing that happens, a very personal thing that happens. And so, Jesus, I pray that while as human beings we can't see faith necessarily, (laughs) you see faith. And you see into the hearts of every individual person that's here right now. And so, Jesus, I ask, would you look into each heart and would you see the love and the faith that's there? Whether it be small or great, we ask that there would be faith, a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and for your salvation. Amen. Amen.